Our lesson this morning is our final lesson from First Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy. Uh, next week, uh, hopefully, we'll begin looking at uh, some topical lessons uh, more in the morning and putting our uh, textual lessons kind of like this more on Sunday evening. And so, just keep that in mind. Um, but we are going to finish Second Timothy chapter four this morning, looking at uh, the importance of preaching and teaching the Word of God. People today teach and preach all sorts of things, but is it always from God's Word? Think about some of the things you have heard over the years, or maybe some of the, the lessons you have, you have been a part of or having to hear, or maybe the things you even have seen or heard on television. Those who proclaim, claim to be proclaiming the Word of God, has it always been from God's Word? And what does the Bible say that we are to preach. That's what we'll be looking at this morning as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 1 uh, through verse 5 here. We'll begin by looking at the charge that is given to Timothy, but we realize, of course, this wasn't just given to Timothy. We're not to preach something different than what Timothy was to preach or to teach. So in many ways, it still applies to us today as well, that when we stand up and preach or teach, that we are to make sure it comes from God's word. So first we look at verse one, this charge before God. Here Paul says, Timothy says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the idea of almost like saying, I call as witness God and Christ that you are to do something. He's about to tell him in a second. That charge means I charge you in front of God and in front of Christ. So that is a very serious thing to say. He doesn't say I charge you in front of, you know, Billy or John or somebody. It's in front of God in front of Christ. He says he will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And so this charge is a very serious matter. It's not one that is optional. It's not one that is to be done, as we'll talk about later, just when it is comfortable to do so. And so this charge is the idea to, to attest or to testify, that is to solemnly affirm and to give a solemn testimony to another person. That's what that charge means. And the reason for the charge hasn't changed today. Sound, sturdy preaching was needed then, then and is still needed today as well. If we look at verse 2, we find the charge was to preach. But it wasn't just to preach anything. Have you ever visited some place and maybe vacation sometimes can be very enlightening sometimes when you travel, you visit places that, that say Church of Christ and we, we go inside and we hear things and maybe we have our Bibles open and we think, no, that doesn't really sound right. Because you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, the charge was to preach the word. The word is a reference to God's commandments, right? He wasn't to go out and preach things that contradicted it. He wasn't to go out and preach just whatever he wanted. He was to preach the word there in verse 2. And so the charge was to preach the word literally. He goes on to say, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And we'll get to some of these things here in just a moment. But I want you to turn with me for just a moment to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. We think about those who were to go out to preach and to teach the truth. The charge was to preach the word. In Jeremiah 1, 7 and 8, he says, The Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, 
And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you, deliver you, says the Lord. Now, this really goes pretty close to what we're talking about here to verse 2, isn't it? His charge to Jeremiah there in verse 7 was what? Whatever I command you, you shall speak. What does verse 2 of 2 Timothy 4 say? Preach the word. Whose word is it? It's God's word. And so the command really is the exact same thing. Jeremiah was not the same thing else. And here, Timothy wasn't the same thing else either. And we find in Timothy's account, here Paul tells him to be ready in season and out of season, which means when it's comfortable and when it's not. When people are loving it and when the people cannot stand you. He says you preach it at both of those times. And then he says there to convince, rebuke, exhort. Then he says with all long-suffering and teaching. Notice he includes the, word, includes the words there, long-suffering and teaching. Because teaching many times is accompanied with long-suffering. Because not everyone likes what you have to say sometimes when we're talking about the Word of God. And notice what he tells Jeremiah there in verse 8. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you, deliver you to deliver you, says the Lord. Was the Lord with Timothy? Yeah, he was going to be with him. In the sense that he was going to make he was going to be approving of, of his word, and no doubt he's going to be enduring hardship. But he says in verse 2 to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. What was to be doing the what was going to do the convincing, the rebuking, and the exhorting? The word which he preached. It wasn't literally him going out yelling at people, telling them they're wrong. His what he said convicted them if they were in the wrong. The word convince there also can be to reprove. That is by conviction to bring to the light and to expose. There, he was going to convince people of the truth by his preaching of the word there in verse 2. Rebuke there means to charge sharply, even to reprimand. Well, the word of God will definitely do that, won't it? In Acts 2 and verse 30, about verse 36 and verse 37, the Bible says that individuals were cut to the heart. And said to Paul, or said to Peter, rather, man, brother, what shall we do? What cut them to the heart? Was it because Peter was mean? Well, was it because what he said from God's word affected them in a sense that it cut them deeply? Well, it was the word of God that did that. And then we find he is to exhort them. The word exhort means to encourage. Exhort or exhortation is actually the idea of to build up. Well, he was to build them up with the word of God. And then teaching and long-suffering going hand in hand. And we find next in the following verses, and we find next the reason and the work that's involved when it comes to preaching and teaching. And so he is to his charge before God to go and preach these preach the word of God. He is charged before God to be ready in season and out of season to convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And next we find the reason for the word. The reason and the word. We begin first by looking at the reason in verses 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. He says here, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now we could stop right there and say that's enough reason to preach the word, isn't it? When they will not endure. The word endure, I think about it this way. They will not tolerate it. They will not put up with it. They will have no part of it. They will not endure sound doctrine. You ever gone to maybe a family reunion or some party at the office or something, and you have to endure someone? 
meaning you have to kind of put up with them. Well, people today don't want to put up with the Word of God sometimes, do they? They don't want to endure. They don't want to listen to it. And we find here the time will come when they will not endure. Now notice, sound doctrine, which means, as we're going to find later, that it's not doctrine to have a problem with. It's just it's sound doctrine. They want a certain type because doctrine means teaching. But sound doctrine, they want no part of it. They, want, they don't want to endure that. They will not endure this sound doctrine. He says, but according to their own desires. There's another big problem, isn't it? Their own desires. Notice what is getting in the way of them hearing and enduring God's word, their own desires. It's about what they want. Now think for a moment, do we have that problem today? And just in the religious world in general, do we have people who just want their own desires? Well, yes. Years ago, we, when we were in Conway, a lady came in and was actually talking to Jody, Lisa's mom, about something. And she was asking her some questions. And she said, well, you should ask one of the, one of the men here. And she said, no, you, you want to tell me? So she told her. She answered her question. And she said, well, okay. And they left. They went somewhere else that would agree with their idea of beliefs. They followed their own desires. Now, we think about that today. Do we have examples of that today? You think about this for a moment. Logically, coming to a logical conclusion, if we follow after our own desires, what happens? We create groups that follow after their own desires. We call them today denominations, don't we? They follow after their own desires. I once was a part of one, part of, out of ignorance, and part because I want to follow my own desires. But look here in verse, verse 3. Notice what he says. They will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, which means there's something they want to hear, but that's not it. It's not the truth, right? It's not that sound doctrine. He says they will heap up for themselves teachers, which means they'll find somebody to teach it. They'll find someone who will teach them things that will soothe those itching ears. We know what we do when we have a rash or something, right? We put something on it so it doesn't itch all the time. What do you do when you want false teaching? You find someone who will give it to you. And that's what we find in verse 3. Look with me at Ezekiel 33. Going back, we find other examples of uh, these same types of things. He says in Ezekiel 33, 32, Indeed, you, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice. and can play well an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. The idea there is that sounds nice, but I'm not doing that. Like we talked about this morning, loving one another from 1 John 4. That sounds nice, but sometimes when we say someone really gets on our nerves, it's hard for us to love them. We may not like everything about people, but we surely have to love them, don't we? We look here at verse 32. He says, For they hear your words, but they do not do them. They admire you, they listen to what you say, but they don't want any part of it. We go back to verse 3 here in 2 Timothy 4. That's the same idea, right? They will not endure it. And according to their own desires, what happens? They have itching ears, so they find themselves. So he says here, they keep up for themselves teachers. They will teach what they want to hear. And as a result, uh, these individuals will not be following sound teaching. Looking at verse 4, he says, And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You think about that first phrase, and it's very discouraging to think about individuals who turn their ears away from the truth. 
When you turn your ears away from the truth, you can't, if you do that, you have to turn to something else, right? And the same thing goes if you think about the fables. If you turn to fables, you can't be turning to the truth. And fables are what? Those are stories we used to tell our kids, right? Those stories that may or may know that are made up. Stories that maybe teach some type of lesson. Those are fables, right? Jack and the Bean stuff. Remember that story, right? I remember all that. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we remember some of that, right? All those types of things, all those stories, Humpty Dumpty, all those types of things that go on. All those little fables that go on and on. He says they turn to those things that sound good, that sound entertaining, that sound, you know, give us comfort, he says, but they turn away from the truth. You notice you cannot turn to fables without turning away from the truth, as we find here in verse 4. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verses 6 and following. I bring these things up because I want us to realize that this is not just one particular time that Paul is talking about or the Bible mentions it. it find, we find these warnings throughout the Bible. 2 Chronicles 30, beginning in verse 6, he says, Then the runners went through all Israel and Judah with the letters from the king and his leaders and spoke according to the command of the king. Children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, then he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. So they were really running to these different places, telling people to repent, 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 and God will return and bless us, right? That in a gist was what he was telling them to do. Go out and literally just run and tell everybody. He says in verse 7, this is part of their, what, they, what they are to be doing. And do not be like your fathers and your brethren who trespass against the Lord God of their fathers, so, they gave them, so he gave them up to their desolation, as you see. Now do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever. And so the Lord your God, that, he, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. Repent and return to God so we don't die. That was the basic concept of it, right? But you notice here in verse, verses 6 through uh, 8 here, notice he mentions fathers, what does that imply to us today? Sometimes how things were done before were not always right. He says in verse 8, Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves, he says, to the Lord, and enter his sanctuary, which he has signified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. Now today we may say, well, this doesn't apply to us today. What do you think is going to happen on the day of judgment? The fierceness of God's wrath is going to come, isn't it? And so we find here in verses 6 through 8, he, they are to go out and to read these things, to proclaim these things. In verse 9 and 10, what happens? He says, For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led them captive. So they may come back to this land, for this the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will turn his face from you, uh, from you if you return to him. Now, look at verse 10. He will not turn his face from me, sorry. Look at verse 10. So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but they laughed at them and mocked them. Well, they endure sound doctrine? I said, shh, I'll listen to that. Now, if you continue reading, we find that some actually did listen and come back. But verse 10 tells us that some of these individuals, what they do? They want to hear what they want to hear. And what they're yelling about is not what they want to hear about. Look at verse 10. They, they laughed at them. And they mock them, which means I mean, fun of them. Are you hear what they're saying? We're not doing that. That's what's going on. And if you go back and look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and look at verse 4, 
That's what was happening there, wasn't it? We find there, he says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and we turn aside the fables. What were they doing? They were turning their ears away from the truth. They were not willing to listen. Look, look again at verse 9 in 2 Chronicles 30. For if you return to the, Lord, your, to, to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led, who led them captive. So they may come back to this land. But the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not, re, and will not turn his face up from you if you return to him. Just turn back. And they laughed in verse 10. We still find those today who do exactly the same thing, right? I've had people laugh and they ask me Bible questions. I say, well, you know, the Bible says, and answer their question, just quote scripture. <laughs> That's so outdated. Really? You know, the Bible has the same sins mentioned, and we see the same sins committed that we still see today. Sometimes they're called different things, but they're the same thing. Look at verse 5. We think about the reason, now we see the work. In verse 5, he says, But you be watchful in all things. He's saying you, speaking to Timothy, but also we know, this, can this apply to us today when we talk about preaching and teaching? Yes. Do we need to be watchful in all things? Do we need to do endure afflictions? Do we need to work the work of a teacher or of an evangelist, depending on who we're talking about? Yes, we do. But you be watchful in all things. Because why? Because there are those who are going about who have itching ears, who want their own desires, they're finding teachers. What does he say? You be on guard. You be watchful in these things. And then he says there in verse 5, endure afflictions. Those who do the teaching and preaching can especially expect difficulties. He says there in verse 5, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. An evangelist is one who is sent on a mission to preach the gospel. The mission is to preach and let God take care of the saving and the adding. Because we look at Acts 2, I believe it's verse 47, who adds to the church? God does. We preach, we teach, they hear God's word, they respond, and God adds them as they are obedient to his word. We do the preaching and the teaching, God does the saving and the adding. We must realize, when we think about 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, the importance of preaching the truth and the importance of listening to it. Because it's not just the preaching and teaching, is it? It's the listening. You go back to 2 Timothy 4, you look at verse 3, what does he say? The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So hearing is just as important as the teaching. We want to be those who teach it, but we also want to be those who hear it. Some things for us to think about today. Sound teaching is a requirement. Mankind needs to hear the word of God. It is an absolute requirement. We cannot get to heaven if we're only listening to ideas that are derived from somewhere other than the Bible. I may have said this before, but you know, if something says less than the Bible, it doesn't say enough, does it? But if something says more than the Bible, it says too much. And if it says the same thing, then we don't need it, do we? And so all we need is God's word. And all we need to do is to preach it and teach it, obey it, and help others do exactly the same thing. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. He says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not, whom they have not believed? Which means we cannot obey what we have not heard. It means we're not born saved. We're not born 
selected to be saved or lost. It's upon our, our hearing and our obedience to God's word. It says, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, we also say, how could they hear without a teacher too, right? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Now notice, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, who preach what? The gospel of peace, which is the word, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, right? Preach the word is the gospel of peace. Why would we call the gospel the gospel of peace when so many people despise it? Because it brings mankind peace from God when we obey it, doesn't it? It gives us peace because our sins will be forgiven. We'll have heaven as our home. We'll be redeemed. We'll, we'll be saved when we obey the gospel. It brings peace. Therefore, it's called the gospel of peace. And he says you bring glad tidings of good things. Those good things, those glad tidings are teachings from God's word. Teachings from the gospel. We must be those who will hear it and follow it. Without teaching and preaching, how will we hear? Look at what well, we saw this here, Romans 10, 14 and 15. Well, we must realize we must be those who, who are willing to teach and to preach. Hardship also is another lesson we can learn from this. Hardship commonly accompanies sound teaching. Sometimes we don't have the best relationships with families, with friends, because we want to follow the Bible, and not everyone agrees with what the Bible teaches, do they? And so when we follow the Bible, sometimes we think, well, hardship will come from friends or maybe from co-workers. Sometimes it comes from our own family. And we have to realize we have to make a decision. We're going to follow God or we want to do things that would just make someone else happy. You know, many, many individuals, not just one, but many individuals over the years have had to make those same types of decisions. Who are we going to follow? Look at Second uh, Timothy 4, this time looking at verse 17. Here the Apostle Paul is still speaking. He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. But prior to this, he talks about all things he endured. or gives some examples of some things he endured because he preached and taught the gospel. He says that the message might be preached fully through me and that the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The idea there being he was delivered out of hardships, not a literal mouth of the lion. Though well, could have been at times because he was hated by so many people, right? The Jews, who he was, you know, he used to be one of the shining stars of those who were so against him. Well, they hated him with a fiery passion, so they could have pursued him with such things. We also know that it was not uncommon to find individuals being thrown into uh, arenas and being fed to the lions. You know, they tried to have a Daniel back in the Old Testament. Look at verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his healthy, or excuse me, for his heavenly kingdom there in verse 18. He will deliver me from every evil work. What does that mean? You notice how Paul says that, but keep in mind, where did Paul write most of his, of his letters? From prison. And yet he still says what? That the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. He has to put these people on earth. But keep in mind, that's it. When Paul dies, he doesn't have to put up these individuals anymore. He doesn't lift their naysaying, their arguing, their backbiting, their denying God's word. All that ends when he dies and goes to paradise. And one thing we know about the Apostle Paul, he didn't care if he died. You think about it, he's once, it's the same man he once said, No, should I go now to, on to my heavenly war or should I stay here? You know, which is more needful for you? And he says, Was well, to stay there for him. 
but he wasn't afraid of death. He also tells us, the same when he tells us that he tells us he's poured, being poured out as an offering, right? Because he was being enduring all those hardships. He also tells us about being shipwrecked and beaten and, and you know, left for dead. As we know he was stoned once at least. And so we find here in verse 18, he says, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Why? Because throughout all these things, he did not depart from God's word. He didn't turn to fables. He didn't turn away from the truth. As you saw earlier, back, if you go back and look at verse 4, what was the warning? They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to, to fables. Paul didn't do that. That's probably the reason why, let's be honest, that's the major reason why in Paul's time he was enduring all that stuff. Because he refused to go to fables, to go to things that would not save. We also have to realize that we are not promised sunshine and rainbows on earth, but we are promised heaven. Look at the latter part of verse 18. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. What are we promised as Christians? We are promised as heaven, promised to have heaven as our home. To him be glory forever and ever. To him is God, or we could say Christ, be glory forever and ever. Why? Because we get to have heaven as our home, because we have not turned aside the fables. We have not turned away from the truth. As we close this morning, we want to realize that there are many fables that go around the religious world, as we saw back in verse 4. But so long as we preach and teach the word, as Paul calls it, we will know that we are in the right. We're not preaching what we think is right. We're preaching the Bible. We're teaching the Bible. Because when we have to depart from the Bible to explain our teaching, we can't explain it then, can we? The Bible holds everything that we are to follow, and fables hold everything that we should not be following. So let's be those who turn to the truth and not turning aside the fables. Remember, we cannot turn to fables without turning away from God. This morning, as you think about these things, the Bible tells us how we can come to Him, doesn't He? The Bible tells us how we can come to Christ by hearing His words, we saw in Romans 10, how we can, must believe in Christ as the Son of God, we see in Matthew 16, 16, how we are to repent of our sins, we see in Luke chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, how we are to confess our sins, Romans 10 and verse 9, how we are to be baptized as well. We find that in 1 Peter 3, 21, Acts 22, 16, and the list goes on and on and on. And then we are to remain faithful to God because when we are baptized, we are now into the body of Christ. We're now a saved person. We are now a New Testament Christian. Then we must remain faithful to God. We talked about this morning in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, right? And as Christians, sometimes we, we know we also make mistakes. But we can repent of those things, confess those things to God, pray to Him, and He will forgive us of those sins, First John 1 and verse 9. 